Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome back to Tennis Unfiltered with me, James Gray of iNews.co.uk and the iNewspaper. I've got Calvin Bett on here to look back at Thursday at Wimbledon. It was women's semi-finals day. Um, it was a sort of maybe not as dramatic a day as we might have liked or expected. Uh, we might have not got the results that we would have liked or expected, but, uh, well, it happened. It all happened. Can't deny that. Uh, and most of it happened, I was going to say, without any weather interruptions, but the roof was shut for the entirety of both women's semi-finals, even though it wasn't actually raining that much, but I think it was precautionary rather than anything else. Uh, Marketa Vondrasova uh, beat Alina Svitolina 6-3-6-3 to reach her second Grand Slam final. Uh, Svitolina now lost all three of her Grand Slam semis. And Ons Jabeur won again. She beat Arena Savalenka 6-7-6-4-6-3. She came back from a set and a break, 4-2 down in the second set to uh, beat her in three. It was a, a really good match, and Calvin, it was in total contrast to the first semi-final, which was, uh, let's not beat around the bush here, it was a really bad match. Uh, yeah, that first one was crap, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> like, got a little bit of, you know, a little bit of interest late on, but it, it was just rubbish, that first one, yeah. I mean, someone sat near me in the press centre said there were two good games in it, which I think probably is about right. Like when Svitolina was four love down in the second and she fought back. And I think the 2-4 game where she broke back was pretty good. But then she, she then served at 3-4 and it was an absolute stinker. And she was broken for the for the sixth time in the match, as I think it was. Um, so, yeah. But Alina Svitolina, look, I mean, Alina Svitolina was ranked 76 in the world coming into this. And I know that's a bit of a false ranking because she's been out having had a child in October 2022 but and then made the court finals of the French so you know she she was only the uh, I think fifth wildcard woman in history to make the semi-finals only two of them ever have uh, made it into the final Calvin can you name the only wildcard Grand Slam winner in the open era quiz question in it you'll kick yourself as well is it Serena it's not it's Kim Cloisters in uh, 2009 gosh, yeah. at the US yeah. Open, when yeah. she had she retired in 2007, she'd had a baby, 
and then come back obviously with no ranking of any sort so um yeah. she needed a wild card and she went and won it um simona uh, not simona halep i think is the other one who made it into a, a final um but anyway yeah it, just kind of a, an interesting little nugget there um i, I tell you what uh, the alina svitolini we saw today was without wanting to sound unkind it was the old alina svitolina like yeah. didn't have much of a first serve looked pretty awful from the baseline and just a bit choky from the whole sort of start to finish and I, I think it's kind of the player that has kind of disappeared throughout this tournament. Like, especially on serve. I, I'm sorry not to be able to give credit to who it was, um, but I think it might have been Damien Kust, perhaps, but who pointed out on Twitter that really the big difference statistically between Svitolina pre-pregnancy and post-pregnancy is that her first serve is a real weapon now, um, whereas previously it wasn't. So, um, yeah, that was just, just disappointing, really. Uh, Marketa Vondrasova, Calvin. Someone said she's a bit of a Cam Norrie in terms of her game, which I didn't think... Actually, once someone had said it, I didn't think it was a terrible comparison. Just in that she's a lefty, she's got sort of quite flat backhand, loopy forehand. Um, but, you know, I think that probably describes a lot of tennis players, doesn't it? Yeah, I'd say I don't think she's that much like Cam, to be fair. <laughs> um, um, she's um... certainly not as fit as Cam Norrie. Um, she said afterwards she was just grateful to be healthy, uh, because last year she had been at Wimbledon with a cast on her wrist, watching her friend play quality. She's had two separate operations on her left wrist, which fortunately now seems to have settled down. Um, and she is now into, as I mentioned, the second Grand Slam final. She made the French Open final, of course, back in 2019. She's got this bizarre record, Calvin, where she's never made it past the fourth round, except in the two Grand Slams where she's made it to Wimbledon. I guess maybe that's just a, a kind of... Um, an indictment of the women's game in the last five years, to be honest, that that's just kind of how it's gone. Uh, yeah, there's just so much chaos, isn't yeah. there? It's just, <laughs> just, just chaos. Like, mm. you know, it's, I know one of, one of my friends who's a professional gambler and he asked my opinions a lot on the, the tech. doesn't really ask my opinions. He said, like, he just said to me, like, yesterday that, oh, yeah, I can't. He said something. I don't even know how it works. He said, oh, he's in Vegas at the minute, but he said, I, I woke up to find Schwantek had lost and then something, something, but. Gula had lost anyway, so that that made my everything go tits up, and <laughs> and I was like, I said to, I sent him a message back going, I keep telling you, never bet on women's tennis. Yeah, like that, there are no the odds and everything don't make any sense because anything can happen. Uh, I think probably in the interests of uh, your ongoing career, Calvin, we should point out that you don't talk to gamblers about matches you're involved in, do you? Uh, no, I <laughs> absolutely not. I don't even give any tips on those. He was he was more talking about something that happened already. Yeah. I should clear up. Yeah. Um, just just for the sake, in case the ITIA are listening, um, the good people. I don't, even know the... If you can, I don't even know if you can bet on the matches I'm involved in, James. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think you'll find you can bet on every tennis match. Yeah. It's how it all happens. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, moving on before we get anyone else in trouble. Uh, we should talk about the best match of the day, which well, the better match today, because there are only two, uh, which is Ons Jabur against Serena Sabalenka. As I mentioned, she came back from a set and a breakdown to win it. Um, Calvin, I was talking to someone the other day, and, and they had watched Sabalenka and gone, well, how'd you beat her? And I sort of said, well, you move her around, you don't give her the same ball twice, you try and keep it relatively low and you know make her hit a lot of shots. And I guess that's kind of what Ons Jabor does, isn't she? And and that's how she unlocked her. I mean, Jabor had the blueprint for how to beat her because she did it yesterday. Because <laughs> the, there's, no, there's, yeah. there's no two there's no two players who are more alike in how they play than Sabalenka and Rabakina. Mm. They're not identical, but they're about as close as you can get. 
yeah. um, in terms of profile of player. And I mean, I'd, again, some of my predictions are terrible, but I'll, I'll read you a prediction. Somebody asked me what I thought of the two women's matches earlier on, and I'm going to read you what I said. Um, just one minute. I said, Svitolina match I reckon could be really dull. I hope she wins. Will just depend if she holds her nerve and how her serve is. Um, and then I put Ons versus Sabalenka will almost will be almost identical to yesterday's match. And, <laughs> that's and pretty good, Calvin. I have to say that's pretty. That's a pretty good call. But it kind of did. I mean, equally, it was kind of the match we expected it to be. Um, in that sense, it, I tell you what, it was surprisingly serve dominated. I think maybe people underrate the Ons Jabeur serve and something that sit up. Uh, Sitting at the Sabalenka said afterwards that you know someone said, Well, how did she beat you? And she said, Oh, her serving was actually pretty good, like the ball stays really low off her serve. And I guess that that's pretty true, isn't it? Like, I've always found it as someone who doesn't play tennis implausible that anyone could hit topspin on a serve because I can't understand how you could do that. But anyway, um, it seems like Onsjibor hits quite what I would describe as a nude serve. Like, there's not a lot of spin on it. It's, it's a bit like a Cam Norrie backhand, and it does seem to sort of skid through the court more. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess, yeah. She's, you know, she's she's quite small, so yeah. that's what you're going to get. Um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 an okay serve. I think the thing is, with her, again, with, with most players of that kind of stature and that profile with how important their service to their game is how many first serves they make. Yeah. As of looking here, she made 62%, which is pretty good. Yeah. Um, if she's down below 50, I think she's in trouble because mm. she's hitting a lot of second serves and she doesn't have a great second serve. Yeah. Um, her record against uh, Marketa Vondrasova is quite bad. Uh, 0-2, I believe, they're head-to-head. I mean, <laughs> Vondrasova's a lefty. On uh, incidentally, here's a stat for you, Calvin. Um, she's the first player since 2012, first woman since 2012, to beat three top ten players in the same Wimbledon um, by beating Sabalenka, uh, Rybakina and Petra The last person to do it was Serena in 2012, who beat Radvanska, another player I can't remember, and also Petra which is yeah. a slightly remarkable little stat and something about her longevity. I mean, to be fair to Jabot, I mean, we said I'd, I'd really question whether she could win a slam. But I, generally when the players you don't think can win a slam when they win one, it's when everyone else is kind of knocked out everyone yeah. else and then they end up cleaning up the mess. But to be fair to her, she's 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 had a pretty strong, pretty tough run. Yeah, I mean, she's, she's beaten, you know, Iga Shontek's yeah. basically the only player that someone else has beaten for her, i.e. Alina yeah. Svitolina. Um, I don't, you know, no, obviously the final from a news perspective we all wanted was Sabalenka's for Talina. I think it would have been an amazing story. It would have really, you know, thrown the whole Ukraine, Belarus, Russia situation into the, the limelight, uh, which I think is important. I think it's good that we're still thinking and talking about that. Whereas Jabor of Andrasova is not going to have that kind of political edge, but you know, Jabor could be, am I right in saying she'd be the first woman, she'd be, certainly be the first Arab woman to win a Grand Slam title. I'm guessing she wouldn't be the first woman from Africa to win a Grand Slam title, but I can't quite think. But anyway, it, don't it know who will... else would have won one? Think well, I can't think of a specific person, but I'm just sort of assuming that, I guess maybe open era. I was thinking like pre-open era, I'm assuming a South African woman won a Grand Slam. But open era, I would assume that she is going to be the first African if she does indeed win it. Um mm. And you, you'd make her a pretty strong favourite at this point, wouldn't you, Shabur? 
I mean, you would, but never bet on women's tennis. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's Calvin's gambling That's advice coming through strong. Um, you just don't know. I mean, yeah, I'm, yeah. You know, I'm joking, but I'm being serious there because you just don't know what can happen in that match. Mm. Yeah, both Jabor and Zvondrasova um, have also had a bit of previous in being nervous wrecks in big matches yeah, yeah. as well. Mm. Um, right, Calvin. Uh, I've I was going to ask you about the uh, mixed doubles, but I mean, I don't really want to ask you about the mixed doubles to be quite frank. But I do want to read out. Um, an email about the mixed doubles, so it's a kind of it was the mixed doubles final today, so it's it's vaguely relevant. Um, it's from Joss. Uh, Joss says, "I enjoy listening to your podcast and just wanted to express what a frustrating experience it was queuing on Monday." Uh, I've just realised this is not the email I meant to read out about mixed doubles, but anyway, I, I'm going to read this email out anyway. Uh, I got to the queue at Wimbledon Park at precisely 6.20, and whilst we moved steadily until the gates opened at 10, we then spent many hours stationary without any information as to why the queue was moving so slowly. In the end, it took us eight hours to get in, and when it did, it promptly started raining, so play stopped. I understand security checks may have been enhanced, but I think this is a case of making conditions for fans unduly harsh in order to prevent a protest that was not serious anyway and quickly dealt with when it happened on Wednesday. Please convey my dismay to the All England Club. I certainly will. And, uh, yeah, if you're going to queue, I mean, starters don't queue now because ground passes are rubbish in the second week, frankly. Well, not rubbish, but people think they're going to see, like, singles tennis, you know, big singles matches, and the reality is you're not going the first week. It, this year, if you were going to queue, it was seven and a half hours. That was basically... So whatever time you wanted to get in, turn up seven and a half hours before that. And if that meant turning up at 5 a.m. so you get in at half 12, then so be it. But yeah, not not great. No, the, queue, the, the, the worst part was the queue for the people who already had tickets. That was ludicrous from the All England, uh, All England Club's part. Yeah, people just queuing outside the grounds to get in and spending like an hour out there trying to trying to get in. It's well, the bag, it was the bag checks. The bag checks were... They didn't put any extra bag checkers on. and They were so terrified of anyone getting anything orange into the grounds. <laughs> that, and I just found it bizarre because one... Like, these people... They're just top oil people. The one thing we can say about them is they're pretty good at getting their orange things in without anyone knowing. Yeah. They're not just carrying it in in a clear bag. Um, with you know what's this? Oh, it's my orange chalk. Um, and they did all that bag checking, and they still had three protests anyway. So yeah. Um, I've got a question for you on wild cards, Calvin from Heather. What's the mixed doubles one? Okay, well, let's do the mixed doubles one then. Uh, it's actually in the form of a review from Kerry in Canada. It's a five-star review, and as you know, I read out five-star reviews no matter what they say. Great show, guys. I enjoy the banter and insight from all of you. Also appreciate your candid, opinionated, unfiltered comments. Listeners, know where you stand. I particularly enjoy Calvin's take and behind-the-scenes intel in the world of doubles, especially learning about the Challenger Tour. I'm a long-time Rafa fan, former club's double player, Canadian fan. I'm amazed we've still got any Canadian fans, Calvin, after your tirades. Um, any comments you might have on the mixed doubles, uh, Sitsidosa, Dimonor and Katie Bolter, uh, good or bad for doubles, Calvin? Um, well, Sissipas Medosa didn't even play, <laughs> like, so <laughs> I don't think there's any chance of them playing. Um, so you know, Medosa was injured. Yeah. Sissipas was still in the singles and the men's doubles at that stage. Hmm. I don't think there was any chance if he played that he was ever going to play more than one match. Yeah. Um, I had a, I, I got to admit, I did have a bit of a problem with Dimonor and Bolter getting. Uh, I think they got a wild card. I'm pretty sure they got a wild card. Okay. Um, Let's, I'll fact check. One second. Yeah, they got a wild card. 
Yeah, that they only got wild card because they're a couple, and that's mm. absolutely ridiculous. If Katie Bolter play every, look, unofficially the British players were told if you want a wild card, you got to play with another British player. Right. Um, and that was in men's and women's and mixed doubles. Um, if Katie Bolter was playing with anybody else other than the boyfriend, a boyfriend who she'd extensively marketed yeah (laughs) she wouldn't have got wild card and i think that's quite pathetic that's nothing against katie she's a lovely girl and i also i don't have anything against alex de menor but that's pathetic from the lot from the all england club Mm. yeah Uh, but equally and i think you may have said this at some point to me over the last fortnight it is an exhibition event essentially it's an exhibition event yeah but there's also you know it it pays yeah money and you know it's it, it we can't be just having people promote them their relationships on social media and then going all right have a one and then then it you know it's ridiculous the lta were also like posting about it tennis's latest it couple like you know it's like it's not agassi and steffi is it it's not is it let's be honest but um yeah, yeah. wildcards uh, uh yes wildcards question uh heather says can i possibly ask a stupid question no such thing as a stupid question as you know uh can someone explain to me why people who aren't playing regularly get wildcards to tournaments i don't understand why venus williams should be given a wildcard for wimbledon when she hardly plays for the rest of the year it seems a little unfair on young players who could really use the experience of a grand slam and the money um yeah i mean venus is a bit of a She's a bit of an exception, isn't she? She has mm. like what? How many slams does she have? Twelve, yeah, exactly, or something. and five like, Wimbledon titles. Yeah, and you know, at, at her age, she's not going to be playing a full schedule. I think what you should always be if you're getting wild card, you should be competitive, and mm. she was competitive. Yeah, um, I don't have a problem with Venus Williams getting one. I, I don't, you know, I always come to the same. I come to the same sentence about wild cards all the time nobody ever deserves a wild card you either get one or you don't <laughs> um you know if, if if you think you deserve one i mean mixed doubles a bit different because there aren't any rankings yeah. or anything but um in, in singles if you think you deserve a wild card you'd have been in the draw yeah. if it's because of injury then you'd have a protected ranking that could get you in but it's then up to whoever makes the decisions to go right we think we're going to give them a wild card for this particular reason. And I know there's been a lot of talk of wild cards, uh, the, the, how the wild cards were given, particularly to the British players um, at this tournament, but I went through every single one of them and I'd struggled to form an argument that any of them didn't, in inverted commas, deserve one or yeah. that any of them were the wrong decisions. Yeah. I think each player either justified their wild card or they got such a tough draw that they it was almost impossible for them to win. Hmm. Um, I think the the exception to the you don't deserve a wild card thing is, well, the two overseas men's wild cards were Arthur Fees and um, Sebastian Offner, who were ranked fifty eight and sixty nine in the world by the time the tournament came round. Obviously, the cutoff for direct entry is six weeks, and that is before the French yeah. Open. Yeah. So your points from there don't really count. Um, and I think that you know, but but. The ridiculous thing about that is Mira Andreva should have been a direct entry on that basis and she wasn't and I was reliably informed by several sources that there was no chance in hell they were going to give Mira Andreva, who is Russian, a wild card to the tournament. And so she, as it is, she came through qualifying so it didn't really matter and she got to the fourth round. But I think that kind of undermines the whole system, quite frankly, if, if you're going to carry that kind of grudge. 
Yeah, and I think look, and I think as well, we should raise a point here that like you know, Miran Dravers like lit lit up the tournament. Yeah, Andre Medvedev's brought you know, and and Sabalenka have both been great for the tournament. Daniil Medvedev, the, sorry, <laughs> not Andre. Andre. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say yeah, geez, if he's still playing, then <laughs> if he gets yeah. a wild card, we can probably yeah, yeah, complain about yeah. it. Um, but the, yeah, you know, the, the Russians and the Belarusians, and I, I'll stress again, they're individuals. They're not they're not fans of the Russian state or anything. They they've been good for this tournament. And yeah. they should have been here last year as well. Yeah. Um, right, let's have a quick look forward to uh, the men's semi-finals, Calvin, because they are on Friday. Yannick Sinner against Novak Djokovic and Carlos Alcaraz against Daniil Medvedev. Um, I, I tell you what, we'll start by taking predictions because we had a, a fallow day in predictions yesterday for various reasons. Um, mostly my incompetence, but you just have to deal with that, I'm afraid. Uh so we'll start with doing your predictions for Sinner versus Djokovic, please. Um, Djokovic will win that in three. It's tricky, isn't it? Uh, I think I probably in this for the sake of trying to pick up some points, I'd say Djokovic in four. I'm tempted by five because George might go four, but. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Alcaraz, Mavrid. At what, st- what stage would? I mean, we so much year with two sets to level up. But what stage would Sinner become favourite in that match? In the live odds, do you think four-two in the third? Right. <laughs> I reckon. Yeah, a break-up in the third, but not just like two love up. It's got to be like yeah. two games, or and even then, even then, even it's then, close. if it goes, if it goes love fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> Shame. Uh, Right, the other match is Alcaraz Medvedev, and uh, I will go first, as is fair. I think Alcaraz in four. I'm going to go. I think Medvedev might beat him. Mm. I'm going to go Medvedev in four. I mean, you're six points behind Calvin, George. Uh, behind George uh, Calvin. So uh, yeah, I need yeah. something there. You don't do I? need something. You, like, need, you like, need something. I don't. I don't know. It just. I mean, I'm partly doing it on that basis, but it's not. It's not completely out of. You know, it's not completely out of the blue. I don't think if he wins that. Yeah. Right, well, we will, we will find out what George predicts when, uh, when, frankly, he gets back from dinner because that's what he's pied us off this evening to go and do, have a nice dinner out. I, I remember having dinners out. It was about three months ago. Um, anyway, <laughs> moving on. Uh, yeah, I mean, let's talk very briefly about the Djokovic-Sinner match, Calvin. Uh, obviously, Sinner was two sets up on him last year and lost him five. He was two sets up on him at the French Open a couple of years ago and lost him five. Have I made that up? That happened, didn't it? Well, maybe it didn't. Um, that was the year when Mazzetti. That was Mazzetti, and, wasn't it? Yeah, Mazzetti and Sitsipas. Maybe, maybe yeah, Sinner yeah. wasn't one of them. Either way, um, there's scar tissue there, and I feel like Sinner has a lot of scar tissue from a lot of matches. You know, not least going up on uh, you know match points against Carlos Alcaraz at the U.S. Open. He keeps getting in these really big matches at Grand Slams and ending up on the wrong side of them. Yeah, I mean, one of these players also is going to have to beat Djokovic. In one of these tournaments, mm. like you know, it's 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 not as much as all the crocodiles will be into me about this. I'm not sure it's great for the game that Djokovic is cruising through slams at 100. 30, 37 is he or 36? 
37? No, 36? No. Ah, yeah. uh, now you're asking. What? I think he's 36. He's 36, Whatever. yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not really great for the game that at 36 he's just cruising through slams. And, yeah. You know, it's and that's what basically what he is doing at the minute, isn't it? Mm. Mm. And speaking of cruising through, Yannick Sinner's has not played a seeded opponent yet, which is completely bonkers um, yeah. when you think about it. Um, meanwhile, Carlos Alcaraz is going to play to Neil Medvedev, uh, and it gives us a good opportunity, Calvin, to discuss the great controversy of the other evening, which I was simultaneously uh, criticised for reporting on and also for not reporting on enough, which is pretty <laughs> bizarre. Um, it was a story that was broken in the Serbian press that uh, Carlos Alcaraz's father had been filming Novak Djokovic's training session uh, over the weekend. Um, he he said he was asked a question twice, and and then it was translated in Spanish because they would think there was a comprehension issue. Um, he said, "Oh, probably it's true. My father is a huge fan of tennis. He doesn't only watch my matches. I think he gets to the club at eleven a.m. He leaves at ten p.m. He's watching matches, watching practice." Be able to watch Djokovic in real life. Yeah, probably it's true. He's he's filmed the sessions. Um, does that give you a competitive advantage? He said, "I don't think so. I have lots of videos from Djokovic on every platform. I think it's not an advantage for me." Um, Calvin, I, I asked you about this earlier. I don't imagine your opinion has changed on it much, but um, you know, is it is it a bit a bit a bit much to be filming your your rivals' training sessions? I don't think so. No, I mean, like I said, I think if he wanted. If Djokovic had anything secret to do, then he'd be doing it in private. Mm. But I've sat, you know, I've been there last week. Djokovic generally practices on the front practice court. Yeah, like, like if you know, if it was co- if they wanted to be covert, they could just get someone else to just go and film it. I don't think he's going to get his dad and get his phone out and film yeah. the session. Like, you know, it's just what what's he going to learn? Mm. You know, like I said, no, but Djokovic is that the, you know. There's a few clips of him on YouTube, I think. <laughs> I, you know, what, what, he's played him three times now, yeah. twice yeah. or three times. What, what are you going to get? What, what do they think they're going to get from like him smoothing balls up the middle? Yeah, that they're not getting. You know, and his dad probably. You know, Alcaraz is probably right. His dad probably a massive tennis fan. Well, well yeah, I mean, mo- yeah, most of these most of these tennis parents are. You know, yeah. they 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 just love tennis, so he's yeah. going to go and do that. And you know, I think you could tell by. Alcaraz's reaction, I think he was more like, you know, his response was more like, yeah, so what? <laughs> um, and also, and also, just, sorry, also if, he, if he was trying to get a competitive advantage, so what? He's allowed to do that. Yeah. Like, yeah it's not, it's not, it's not, nothing illegal there. It's not like Marcelo Bielsa at Leeds and Derby where he's got someone hiding in the trees behind the training ground. Yeah. You, know, you are allowed to go and watch your you know, watch his other training sessions. Yeah, I, and just to kind of follow that up, because I've been getting various crocodiles having a go at me about it, saying, "Oh, but Djokovic said he wanted privacy, and it was a pro- this was a private training." There's no such thing. Like, if you okay, if you're a fan, you can't go to Orangi One, which is the one that's furthest from the entrance, if you like. But if you're an accredited, if you're an accredited coach or member of a team, you can basically yeah. wander around Orangi at your leisure, right? Of course you can, yeah. I mean, look, I went and I'd be quite open about. It. I went and watched the pair who Luke and Julian played in practice last week. Mm. I didn't film it because I didn't really need to, but I went and watched it for about forty minutes. Yeah, like, what, yeah, what's... like of course you would. <laughs> yeah, why, why wouldn't you? It's I, I don't really get what what the issue is. And like I say, there's those courts, then there's the ones across the road mm. as well that you could go on the back court and you wouldn't be able to if you really wanted to. But yeah, listen, right. Novak Djokovic is not going. He's in. He's in trouble if he's going. I really need to. Uh, 
I really need practice to practice in secret. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, practice. really, if you actually wanted to practice in secret, you'd go to like Queens or you yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. like it's because it's not like Queens. You're going to say, "Oh no, we haven't got a free court." Actually, like Novak Djokovic turns up and says, "I want a court." He gets a bloody court. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it 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 in some ways it's like well it's a bit of a mount out of a molehill so it's like well why did you put it in the newspaper then I was like well because he's talked about it like and it's obviously a story and it's interesting and it doesn't happen very often and even when it does happen people don't talk about it so yeah you know anyway um, but I'm glad uh, you think Medvedev might I mean I appreciate that you're you're partly backed into a corner predicting Medvedev to beat him but why is Medvedev the type of player that can beat Alcaraz. I think he, I just wonder whether he'll have the experience again. Mm. You know, the last time that Alcaraz played in a semi-final at a Slam, he he didn't respond particularly well. Yeah, the courts are pretty slow. Um, you know, they're not like a hard court, but they're not miles from a hard court. And Medvedev's trouble on a hard court. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, I'm picking Medvedev, but I think Alcaraz is favourite. Yeah, because like he duffed him the last time they played. Yeah, but. Um, it, you never know if if Medvedev gets a good start, then I think we've got a match on our hands. Mm. Um, and I yeah. think that also just I think tournament needs that. Like we've had a, we had a couple of really good matches in the first half of the um, like the first week. A couple of really good matches lit it up. Like the Djokovic sits past match, uh, the Murray sits past match kind of helped drive things. We've had a couple of really good women's matches, but I think the men's draw. You know we've got. One, two, it's not been th- a great one, has it? No, one, two, and three seeds, and then Yannick Sinner hasn't played a seeded player. Like I, I, I've watched a little bit of Yannick Sinner, but probably no more than about eight games in this tournament because it, it hasn't been interesting. Um, his matches specifically, I, I, that's nothing against him. He's just not been in any good matches. Um, so it probably does need one of these to to be exciting. We hope it's Sinner versus Djokovic because, as I mentioned in yesterday's pod. Um, we're going to be doing a little bit of a test run on an app called Circus. If you want to get involved uh, with our live chat during the first set, at least, of Sinner Djokovic, download Test Flight on your iPhone and then download Circus. I'll put the links in the show notes uh, and you can follow along as, as we just talk shit, basically, during the match. On it, It'll be like our Tennis Unfiltered WhatsApp group, but on a different app so that you don't get Calvin's phone number because he only gives that to very select women. Um, I'm told, so uh, it's a little bit more private. Anyway, um, I think that's everything. I think we've we've covered all the ground, Calvin. Thanks for for joining me as always. Uh, Thank you for listening and hopefully enjoying. We will see you in the circus on Friday. And if not, you'll hear from us on Friday night and we'll look ahead to the women's final uh, on Saturday. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.